Hey, we're going to have a word of prayer and get into our message. Let me just say, there's a lot of things going on right now. Uh, I failed to mention this one. Don't forget, we're, what, day 12? Uh, this is the 12th. So yeah, day 12 into our 30-30 uh, uh, prayer and word uh, challenge. And uh, it's still not too late to sign up if you want to start getting these, these daily devotions. Also, we've got a missions uh, project fundraiser. And some of you, you didn't, you didn't buy a sweet for your sweetheart, but they told me they made some extras, and so if, if you're in the doghouse, guys, go by the missions table, because it's helping the missions as well as, might help you get out of the doghouse if you've got a problem uh, there as well. 201 is this afternoon. You know why 201 is today? Because today's the second Sunday, okay? So get that in your head. 101's on the first Sunday, 201's on the second Sunday. You know, it's not rocket science. We are able to figure this out. And uh, at the close of the service, we're also going to be uh, giving opportunity for people to join the membership at 2911. And uh, we, we asked people to go to 101 first. Got a lot of people that's been to 101. We got several people that's been to 101 that keep missing the second Sunday every time we, we uh, give opportunity. And I think, uh, I think some of those are here today. And so we invite you. And listen, people ask, do you have to be a church member to get to heaven? No, you don't have to be a church member to get to heaven. Now, I can preach you a message here, and I'm really fighting the urge to. But let me, let me just explain this to you. It's just part of a process of getting yourself to a place where, you know, you need help. You need, you need people around you, good people around you. You need to, you need to commit to a church. And I, and I say this a lot of times, and I, I don't mean this flippantly. I don't mean this in an ugly way, but I mean, look, hey, if, if 2911 don't float your boat, go find the church that does. Everybody should attend a church that they brag about. You know, and if, if, if the things aren't going on here that excite you, then go find that church that, man, just excites you. And then put your feet down there and say, I want, this is a place I belong. This is where God wants me to be. And become a member and say, these are, the pe- these are the people around me that I want to pour into me. Do all that. That's, that's what church membership is all about. It's about making those decisions and then, then getting involved too and doing something. And you, you learn all that stuff through growth track. And if you missed 101 last week, don't worry about it. Come on to 201 this week because 101 is coming back around in just about three weeks. Okay? So let's have a word of prayer. I want you to remember the, the video you saw just a few moments ago. I'm going to ask you a question right after prayer about this video. Okay? Um, you know, it's not going to be uh, anything serious. We won't, you know, it's not going to be a test. Just want to ask a quick question, all right? So but let's have a word of prayer. And would you thank God, we thank God, would you, would you thank him for his love? His love. God, I love you, and I thank God. God, I, this morning, Lord, as, as Jamie's encouraged us, God has just reminded me to think of all the blessings that I have. God, this, this sweet, beautiful lady, God, that sits by me every Sunday morning that you gave me, God, the 32 years, Lord, of, of marriage with her, Lord, uh, to be by my side all this time, God, to be the mother of my children, the grandmother of my grandchildren, God, God, thank you for that, Lord, the love that you, that you have given to me. God, every, every one of my kids, God, my whole family is in church worshiping you today, serving you, God, doing things for you. God, you have blessed me. Lord, you haven't just told me about your love for me. Lord, you have, you have exhibited your love. You have displayed your love, God. You have shown your love, and not just to me. You've shown people around me that you love me, God. And I, and I honor you for that. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray somebody sitting here with me right now, God, that they, they will see that love, the love that you, you don't just tell us about, but, God, you, you display, you show us, God. You reveal it to us, Lord. And I pray somebody accepts that today, God, in his challenge. That marriages leave this room stronger today. That young people leave this room. Unmarried young people leave this room today, God, with a decision, Lord. That it's, it's not going to be the world's way. It's going to be your way because they, they, want, they want the fullness of the dream that you have for their life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, the video you saw a few moments ago. Anybody know what the song was before we even got to the end? 
Any of y'all from my era? Okay, well, some guitarists back there. Yeah, they knew. Okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, just, just had to use that. What, which of those scenes in the video, which of those scenes depicted what love truly is? Jesus, thank you. Somebody in the early service said the TV, so I'm glad that, uh, <laughs> no. You know, when they said that, I think, what TV? Oh, and, uh, oh yeah, yeah, the, uh, the King of Queens guy hugging the TV. Obviously, what Jesus, and, and when we see that, when we see that picture and we, we, we think about, that's what love is. So Jesus gives us the example of what love truly is, okay? So today, we, we, in a way, we want to kind of kick out everything that the world says love is, and we want to really look what love truly is. And the first place to begin is with Christ. He, he exemplified it. Now, now, when he hung on the cross, it goes, here, here's some things that, you know, if we think about it in the world's way, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it this way, and we'll think Christ did it for this reason, this reason, this reason. But can I tell you something? Jesus didn't die on the cross because he felt like it. Amen. You know, he didn't get up one morning, you know, and say, well, you know, look at his to-do list and say, okay, uh, I got this. Uh, I guess, I'll, you know what, I think I'm going to go die on the cross today. It wasn't because he felt like John 3.16 didn't say because God was in a good mood he sent his only begotten son. That's not what it says. It doesn't, it doesn't say because God had, had such deep emotions and, and was just, just overflowing with emotion that he sent his... No, that's not what it says either. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He loved the world. You know what that love is? Kick everything else out. This is, this is, this is the theme, the thought. The whole message right here in this one statement, and when I say this, y'all don't get up and leave because you think you got it all. You got to hear the background. Here it is. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary as a choice. That was a cho- what he did was a choice. He didn't do it because he felt like he didn't do it because all the planets were aligned. He didn't do it because he had extra time. that day. He did it because he chose to do it. And look with me in, in Luke, while he was hanging on the cross, look at what it says. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and, and criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. After they had done this, for the last 12 hours or so, they have been beating him. they have been spitting on him, mocking him, pulling out his beard, slapping him. They put a crown of thorns on him. They hung him on a cross between two criminals. I mean, they made him a criminal. And in the middle of all this, you know what he does? And, and look, at, at, at the end of that verse, it says the soldiers gambled for his clothes. I mean, they wouldn't even let his mom, you know, take, take his robe home with her. That they gambled for his robe. In the middle of all this, what does Jesus do? Jesus says, Father, now listen, let me tell you something. He didn't do this because he felt like it. He didn't do this because he was having a good day. It was a choice. He made a choice inside of him. I mean, when you, when you try to forgive somebody like this, it's a choice you make. He said, Father, forgive them because, God, they, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. What, what would you have prayed in that moment? Think about it. Amen. And you know, what, you know what the response of the Father was? I mean, we don't have it written down here, but we know what the response was because we've been forgiven, right? What was the, the response by God was God does forgive. And, and I don't know that I could do that. I, I've, I've, I've basically built sermons on this one little thought here one time. I, I know I built a sermon on, and t- just thinking about my son, my own son, and putting, you know, when I became a dad, 
And, you know, I looked at that little boy, you know, and I, I looked at him, and I, I could really understand a whole lot more of what God was going through when he saw his son hanging on the cross. And if my son had looked up to me in the middle of all this and said, Dad, just forgive them. for the, I don't know that I could have done that. But God chose. And the choice didn't happen that moment, okay? The choice didn't happen that moment. The choice happened a long time ago. It, it, happened, it happened way before that moment. And, and the night before, we see it in the prayer of Jesus in Luke chapter 22, where he says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus, as God, he could look into the future and he could see what was going to happen the next 12 hours or so, the next 24 hours. He could see that he was going to be, he was going to be beaten. He could see that he, he, could, he could already feel the stripes being put on his back by that cat of nine tails. As he was taking those stripes for our healing. He could see all this. And he knew this was going to happen in the next few hours. And he, and he began to pray this, God, God, if there's any other way, take this away from me. You know, you know what that tells me? That tells me he didn't feel like it. That tells me he did not want to do this. That tells me that the, the, the God who came in the flesh, that his flesh was welling up within him, said, wait a minute, this is going to be heavy these next 24 hours. What I'm about to have to do, and this tells me that it wasn't an emotional thing of like, hey, I want to do this. It wasn't an exciting thing. He didn't feel like doing it. He wasn't in a proper mood that day. That's not why he did it. But he still, even though he knew all that, he still said, Father, please take this cup. But nevertheless, I choose. To have, this, is what I, this is what my flesh wants, but I choose. Love is a choice. It's a choice. Forget anything else you said. Let me tell you some things love is not. That'll help you forget some of that. First of all, love is not sex. Love is not sex. Now, I know the world doesn't put up billboards that say love equals sex, but if you look at what they're saying, if you listen to what, if you watch the stuff that they're putting out as entertainment today, you, you would get the message that love equals sex. But love is not sex, okay? I, I, I want to I give you a statement here, and some of you need to write this down, okay? Uh, it may be a little long, but I want you to get this right here. Outside of a committed relationship, sex is one of, mo- one of the most selfish acts on the face of this earth. Now, don't anybody read between the lines. Don't anybody think I'm trying to say something about committed relationship? No, 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 listen, listen. The, the most committed relationship there is is one man and one woman married for life, standing before God saying, you know, I give myself to you for the rest of my life. Anything else is not commitment. I mean, if you say, well, I'm, you know, we're going to date for the rest of our life, eh, you're probably not going to. It's not commitment. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about full commitment, okay? And anything, whenever sex happens outside of that total full commitment, it's not, it is one of the most selfish things that happens on the face of this earth. And if you're being pursued, I know there's quite a few singles here. And if you're being pursued, and there are quite a few teenagers here, and if you're being pursued by somebody for sex, if you're being pursued for them, for, by them for sex, and yet they have not yet been willing to, to stand before God in his presence and say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish till death do us part for the rest of our life. I'm committing myself to you. If, they're, if they've not been willing to say that and they're pursuing you, you are being pursued by a selfish person. Because outside of, outside of this committed relationship of marriage, sex is not about the other person. And it's not even about us. It is about you. When you chase after sex outside of a committed relationship, love is not sex. 
Just, just, just scratch that out. Love is not sexual. And love is not hormones. Hormones do not equal love just because you got them, you know. Somebody help me here, okay. What are some of the classic things that we call romantic? You know, maybe some of the things you got planned for this Tuesday. Now, if, you got to, if it's a secret, don't say it if your sweetheart's here so that you don't blow your secret. What are some of those classic things that we call romantic around Valentine's? Anybody? Flowers. Flower. Anybody know how much a dozen roses are today? Fifteen. Did somebody say fifteen? I think you're buying some hot roses if you're buying $15 roses. <laughs> flowers. I, I, somebody said in the early service, somebody said $59.95, and they said somewhere that you could buy them. I, don't, I, I thought that was kind of cheap this time of year. That's still cheap. What else? What else is romantic? Candy, chocolates. Yeah, giving somebody a box of candy as a first gift I ever gave my sweetheart. When we were eight years old, I gave her a box of Valentine's candy and a little heart-shaped box. Yeah, y'all ask Dave about it. She really enjoys when I embarrass her like this. So y'all ask her about it after church. What else? What else is romantic? Di- what, 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 what? Candlelight dinner. That's why I, I wanted y'all to get the candle. I thought she said candle. But I thought she might have said moonlight. I just I didn't, wasn't, wasn't sure. Candlelight. Okay, but, but here's the thing, okay? None of that is hormones. Okay. Now, that, even the stuff we call romantic is not hormones. Hormones do not make you go into a, into a flower shop and say, i got to have a dozen roses, i got to have a dozen roses. That's not, ro- that's not hormones. When you order a dozen, that's a choice. I mean, hormones don't make you, you know, dig in your pocket for $60 or $75 and say, oh, i gotta ha- I got to get some flowers. It's a choice. I mean, you know, when, when you're a young person, you know, and, and you, know, you were only making maybe a couple hundred dollars a week or even less than that, you know, to take half of that, to take half of your bring home pay and say, I'm going to buy some flowers for my sweetheart. I mean, you know what? That's a choice. Hormones don't make you, hormones don't make you pick up the phone and say, I got to have a reservation at the best restaurant in town. Hormones don't make you do that. Hormones don't say, I got to get, get this candle lit. That's not hormones. It's choice. Love is not hormones. Love is a choice. And love is not emotion. Now, we kind of think these three things are the same, but they're different in a different way. You say, one of the things the world will tell you is that you need to be married to the person that you have an emotional attraction to. Lie, wrong, uh-uh. That's not, uh, and I mean, God tells us, you don't, you don't marry the person that you're emotionally attracted to. The Word of God says, you need to keep that emotional attraction to the person that you're already married to. Oh, my goodness. Now, now if y'all haven't heard me say this yet, I heard an old, old preacher many, many years ago say, when they get quiet, you're hitting them right where they live, and it's time to nail them to the wall. So y'all be careful here. <laughs> We're not supposed to marry the one we have an emotional attraction to. Because if love equaled emotion, you'd fall in love three or four times a day. And not just with people. You know? Let me tell you something. I have emotional experiences. When I drive by and I see that red hot now sign on. Now, okay, now I'm not making this up, okay? Now, I, don't, I don't want you guys to think I'm, I'm just a completely, extremely shallow, but I want you to know, it's an emotional experience for me. I'm having something, I'm serious about this, okay? I, I'm kind of having this, you know, it kind of comes over me that, and if Dave was with me, I'm kind of looking over, I just want, I just want a hint that she wants a donut, you know? If I could just get, you know, if I could just get a little help here, you know? I'd be pulling in there, man, because, I, man, I, when, uh, you know, we lived, we lived in Chicago for a while, and, 
and I, uh, my father-in-law got sick. We had to move back here. We came back. And we were pastoring. We were pastoring a church just about two miles from from Krispy Kreme. And uh, every every Tuesday morning, staff meeting. I meant for about a year and maybe a year and a half. Every Tuesday morning, staff meeting. It was hot now. Krispy Kreme donuts. Until finally, my kids' pastor. She said, "You mind if I start baking something? Because this is not doing a good thing for my waistline." And so, but I mean, that's the way I feel. I, I, I mean, it really is an emotional thing. I mean, I get excited when I see that. Do you, have you ever had any? <laughs> Sorry, but man, uh, when we lived in Enterprise, it was uh, about 25 miles to the, to the closest Krispy Kreme. And you know, coming home, for, if I was at Dothan and coming home and I passed that hot now sign, man, I'd have to pull over and get some. And I'd have to get a chug of milk also because I knew those things weren't going to make, all of them weren't going to make it back to my house. I mean, it was an emotional, but here's the problem, okay? I get really emotional about it. I, I mean, Kristen can tell you. I mean, she pulled, a, she pulled an old box out of her car the other day, and I about chased her down with it. I mean, but here's the problem. Is sometimes I drive by, and the sign's not on, and I'm not emotional. That's why love is not emotional. Because your emotions are related to your circumstances, and your circumstances change I st- I started to say every day, your circumstances change several times through the day. And if your love is based on your emotion, it's going to be like this. And the person that you're married to, God, help them. (laughs) Because they're going to have to have some real love to deal with that, that you're giving them. Love, you you know what love is? Let me tell you what love is. Love is getting up earlier so you can go scrape the ice off of her windshield. Some of y'all need to write this down. It'll help y'all in the next one. <laughs> Love is a warm bowl of chicken soup when your spouse is sick. Love is doing, y- y- y'all have it divided up like 50-50, your share and her share. You know, love is doing more than your share. Love is seeing the movie she wants to see. Love is getting up. After you got in bed and you got your feet warm and all that, love is getting back up and taking care of something that your spouse forgot to do before you went to bed and not complaining about it. Had to add that on there, right? Let me tell you what love is. Love's an 85-year-old man who drives to the nursing home every single day to feed his wife lunch. Not because she can't feed herself. Not because the paid staff takes too long to get around to her. But because... He chooses to be in her life because he chose one day to say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. That's what love is. You want to know the fullness of what love is? I mean, where do we get all of it? Oh, I, I got to tell you this also. Sometimes love is revealed by what we do, and sometimes we're exposed. Our love is exposed by what we do. Let me tell you something, because I know, uh, you know, got a lot of singles here, got a lot of teenagers here, and in the next few years, you teenagers, even if you're not dating right now, you need to hear this, okay? You need to get this. When someone knows what is important to you, and they do the opposite, let me tell you something, that's not love. I mean, if you're a, if you're a Christian committed and dedicated and devoted to God, and, and you, you want to live a good Holy life, if they're pressuring you for sex, that ain't love. They know that's where you stand. 
If they're trying to get you to go somewhere, do something you don't want to do, that's not love. You know, I mean, you know what? Let me tell you something. We've been married 32 years. And, and, and a lot of times when I walk in the living room, David changes the channel. That's not because she's watching something she shouldn't be watching, okay? <laughs> but here's what she knows. Is she knows I can't take 18 hours of Fox News talking about the Repu- Republican presidential debates. She can. You know, I got 30, 40 minutes of, of, of uh, I, mean, I don't care how many, of those, how many of those talking heads they've got there. You know, the, you know it's like, well, this is, this is Sean Hannity talking about it. You know, that was, uh, I don't know who, who was talking about it. I don't know, all these people that are on there. I mean, but how many different ways can you talk about the same issue all day long? I, I just can't handle it, you know. So you, you know what she does? If I walk in the room, she changes the channel. Now, sometimes she'll hit that record button before she changes the channel. So she can go back to it later. But you know what? She knows what's important to me. And that's like, you know, when I'm watching, I, 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 I got a lot of things I like to watch also. I, don't, I, like, I like a person of interest. Anybody caught that one yet? I, I, I really like person of interest. Y'all haven't seen that one yet? Somebody needs to explain it to Gary. He, I told him this is what he needs. But you know what? She walks in the room. You know what I do? I, you know, I, normally it's recorded. I pause it and I'll go to something. She, you know Why? Because we know what's important to one another. We know what each other likes, what each other doesn't like. And we're showing, we're exemplifying, we're displaying love. You can't tell, you can't tell somebody you love them. It's shown. And it's shown in your everyday choices that you make. So how, and and here's, here's how we know. Here's how we know what love is more than any other way is let's go to the source. Now, the source of all truth is the Word. We know that, right? But even deeper than that, it's not just that God knows all. God created all. You know what? We, we need to get that, okay? Some people don't understand why we follow the Bible. The Bible is like a manual written by the one that created it all. You know, I've said this a lot of times. You know, if your refrigerator breaks, you don't go get, you know, the manual for the microwave and try to fix it. You know, don't go to the store and buy a, buy a book about something, that, you know, in your life that God spoke, get to the Word. The Word is the manual by the person that created it all. Okay, but it's even deeper than that. It's here, is that the Word tells us that God is love. And I've thought about this a lot of times. You know, if you were to just saw God in half and just look inside, you know what you would find? I mean, he, He's love. It's like He's made of love. That's what He is. It's His nature. It's, all, it, it's what He is. It's everything about Him is love. It's love, 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 love. So then by all means, let's go to God to find out. And we already have, at the beginning of this message, we look to see in the Bible, and it showed us what love is through the example, the, uh, the sacrifice of Christ, the decision, the choice that he made. But then he also tells us, he tells us throughout the Bible, but there's one chapter that, man, he just says so much. I call it the love chapter. It's in the middle of that uh, first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. You know what it says? It says love is patient. Now, that doesn't mean if your spouse is a little impatient, they don't love you anymore. It just means they got a little leak right there in their heart, and they need to fix that and work on it. But love is patient. Let's look at what perfect love is. It's kind. It's sweet. It's supportive. Love love doesn't get jealous because you get a better, I mean, you know, I, I know people that they can't even stand it if they're, if their spouse gets a promotion or, 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 gets, or gets to go hang out with somebody and they don't get to, that's probably even more so. Love is supportive. Love is modest. Love is not a bragger. Love is humble. 
Love is respectful. Love is not rude and love is not crude. Love is selfless. Gets up early. Love is even tempered. I've got to say something about this one right here. The, the, the better definition probably of the Greek word that is written there is saying that it takes a lot to get a person in love. It takes a lot to get them angry. Now, the Word of God says be angry and sin not. So anger is an emotion that's okay. Sometimes I get angry at what's going on in the world. Some, I get angry if somebody comes against some of my family, you know. But, it's, but what that word really means, they're even tempered, meaning that it takes a lot. To, somebody that's in love, it takes a lot to make them really angry. They're even tempered. They're forgiving. They're protective, forgiving. Let me say this also. They don't keep a record of wrongs. Doesn't mean they can totally forget, but they do their best. Too. Uh, they believe the best. They're hopeful, hopeful. Believe the best. I wish I would preach there a little while today. They endure. Love endures. Love remains absolute. Love is the greatest. And what Paul is saying there, he's saying, you know, these, these three big ones are faith, hope, and love. I mean, that's, that's some powerful, great stuff. But he says the best of these. Better than faith is love. Better than hope is love. And even hope is up there. I mean, it's up there. That's part of love. But love contains hope. Love is, love is the greatest. Love believes the best. I, I, I just got to back up and say something about that. When you love somebody and you hear something about them, love doesn't say, well, I, I kind of always expected that. No, love says, well, I'm going to believe the best until I hear otherwise, until I talk to them and I find love believes the best. You know, not like, not like some of you ladies. You dream your husband has an affair and you're mad at him for three weeks because you dreamed it. <laughs> love believes the best. Love believes the best. And you know what? If you can, like, like the heart up there on the screen, if you can get your heart so filled like this, you're going to be a great lover. And I, I don't mean what the world is talking about as a great lover. You will be a great lover. But you know, maybe even beyond that, I will say, every one of you deserves to be loved with that love. Now, those of you who are daddies of little girls or big girls, you'll understand this. I told Kristen, I told Brent too, but you know, those little girls, you just got to tell them a little differently. I just, I, I told them both. I told him this. I said, you're my little girl. You deserve to be loved by somebody like this. Now, your dads can understand that. But I want you to understand this. In the same way, God, your heavenly father, he wants you to know today, just like I wanted my kids to know as they were being raised, as they were thinking about, you know, maybe getting married one day. I wanted them to know. God wants you to know also, you're his child. And you deserve to be loved like this. You deserve that. Because you're not junk. You're not trash. Anybody treats you that way, they don't love you. You deserve. Would you, would you do me a favor? Would you turn to somebody and say, you deserve to be loved like that? I say, I just messed up some of you. I just messed some of you up really bad because, you know, you just told them that, and you're the one that has to fulfill it. You messed up now. You told them what they deserve. Now go fulfill it. Stand with me, if you will. Everybody come to the front. Let's close, if you will, right down here.
Come on, we're going to close in a prayer and a song. Oh, and we also have to open opportunity for membership for those that want to join. So squeeze on in. We reset the chairs last week. I think we might have got them a little close because it's a little tight down here this morning. Squeeze on in. Act like you love each other. So we can get everybody out of the, out of the aisles as, po- as much as possible. You deserve to be loved like this. I, uh, I wanted to do this. We did this differently in the first service. Because we, we didn't we had we had enough prayer part or prayer team members to be able to pray with with every couple. And uh, I don't know that we can do this right now. I don't even know if we can squeeze you down here to do that. One of the reasons I did that is because I know if I say, Okay, everybody's having marital problems, y'all come down for prayer. <laughs> I know all of you gonna run down, right? <laughs> like the guy that I interrupted right before he gave an altar call for men that were dealing with pornography this morning. How many of you want to go interrupt him right before that? I said, this ain't going anywhere. And I knew this wouldn't either. So, listen, will you, will you do me this favor? Will you, will you understand that just because you ask for prayer, it doesn't mean that you've destroyed your life and you're, you're a mess and, and that you're wrong. And You know what? I, I think we had about five couples standing down here praying for people in the early service. and They don't have perfect marriage. They, they deal with stuff. We all deal with stuff. But I, I, I want to ask you, you know, if you need prayer, if you, you know, it may be a financial need. Seek out a, a, a prayer team member. Turn around if you would, prayer team. Seek out a prayer team member. Uh, it, it may be, there may be sickness. I mean, our, our little boy, Colin, our, our little grandson, Colin, uh, 15, 16 months old, something like that. And, and he's been, he's had a runny nose and, and a cough since October. You know what? I want somebody to help me pray. That, that, to me, that's a family thing. Somebody pray with me over my family. You know, okay. so it doesn't mean that your marriage is on the rocks. You're hiring a divorce attorney tomorrow. Okay? You got a situation. You want some prayer? Come down. Come down. And let one of these prayer team couples pray with you. Pray with your family. Pray with your needs. Uh, Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying.